is Dave Pryor. Welcome to the Reluctant Agilist. Today, Braden Cundiff is back. Um, we're going to pick up where we left off. So a few months ago, Braden and I had a conversation about flipping behavior, which is part of a, a white paper and hopefully eventually a book he's working on based on a, a model he came up for changing things you do. And we had a really good response to it. A lot of people like wrote to me and said, you know, I did this thing that Braden suggested and really helped out. So we're going to continue with that and go a little bit deeper on it. And before we do that, um, I want to give Braden a chance to let everybody know who he is in case you didn't listen to the other one. So Braden, tell these fine people who you are. All right. And thanks for having me back, Dave. And glad thanks to hear that folks, uh, folks enjoyed it. So um, yeah, a quick background. Uh, I spent about the last decade um, in the uh, education space and then specifically in the digital education space. So I have a whole wider range of different experiences. Um both applying agile at uh, an organization level, um, as well as building, you know, digital products, uh, leading PMOs, um, and you know, kind of everything in between. So what I've been able to do is really take a lot of that experience that I've had and a lot of the mistakes that I've made and formulate a, a method uh, to try and help folks to, uh, to better solve problems. Um, and so what I've done is, is realize that, you know, a project should always be time bound, um, but the same isn't true for products. And so to implement successful product life cycles, you have to flip your perspective from a time bound project perspective uh, to an infinite product one. Um, and so in order to do this, uh, you have to have checkpoints in that product life cycle and really force evaluation of that stated problem that you started with and determine along the way um, if it's still worth uh, the cost of solving. All right. So what we hope you get out of this podcast are some, some better tools or some different tools or different ways of thinking about deciding which problem is the right one to solve. I think when we think about all the things around us, all the things in our life uh, or at work, we see things that we want to be different or we think should be different, and we just immediately run to a solution. And a lot of times that solution is solving a problem we don't actually have. Um, if we took the time to just take a breath, maybe consider more options, we might discover something that is closer to what we actually need. Am I, am I getting it right? Yeah. Yeah. And what we're really trying to get, what I would like folks to get out of this is really starting to, um, one, make sure that they've named the problem. And once you've named that problem, start to look at that problem and figure out, does this problem currently run against some of the current behaviors or skills that either I currently have or that I'm currently supporting in my organization. And that's you know the start of this flip methodology of starting to look at what are those behaviors and skills that already exist and how are you currently successful? Um, okay. So a good example for from my side, from a publishing side is um, we had a, a learning outcome of, of trying to deliver air-free math books, uh, math textbooks nationally. And to be able to do that, we have a siloed expertise of folks who know um, the most about math, right? They're the best out of it and they can get it right. And that's, you know, that's their value driver. And they have other folks who are technical editing as a skill. And those behaviors, those siloed expertise um, are really, really valuable to a math content outcome. However, when you take that into a bigger context, and in my context, it was trying to get a publishing company to become a, um, an agile development house, you know, for, for lack of a, a better statement. And when you look at a siloed expertise, that doesn't fit within some of the behaviors that we're trying to drive when we're asking folks to break down those silos, work across streams, you know, cross-coordinate. And so what I would uh, ask folks to do is you're starting to look at the problems right now. Again, you know, what the problem is, not how to solve it. 
look for those behaviors and skills that you currently have or that you're currently supporting and make that list and see, is that problem going to run in direct contact, contrast to one of your existing behaviors? That might give you an idea of, okay, maybe I do want to take this on because it's an important problem, or maybe there's another problem we can take on that fits within those behaviors that we already have or doesn't run in contrast uh, to it. those existing behaviors. All right. I want to, I want to jump in and mansplain a little bit from your mind. So <laughs> the, actually uh, the first thing I want to do is I want to ask you a question. You said name the problem, which I know when we've talked about, this is a really big, big part of it. Why is it so important to name the problem? When you don't name the problem, it becomes very difficult to determine success. Okay. And so what can happen is uh, another you know, kind of good example here from the organization side, and then we can move into kind of one more of the uh, personal problems that we could look at using the same formula, is when I'm asking folks to move from a, a print-based uh, sales delivery channel to print and digital or primarily digital, um, there's a lot of folks there who are going to have skills that are specific to that role. Okay. Uh, and if I'm proposing to, you know, to make these different changes for folks, or if I'm, you know, asking for a different behavior or skill, you need to be really clear in what problem you're trying to solve yeah. and what skills you need to solve that problem. Okay. And then folks can start to figure out, okay, if do my fit. skills or behaviors fit within it? And so yeah. when you don't name the problem, uh, you know, you're not giving folks, yeah, you're giving folks assumptions and then, you know, that doesn't allow you to, to measure it. And so okay. it's that. Yeah, it's trying to be, I think, more honest about it. Okay, so we're being more conscious about saying, this is my my issue and this is how I can measure to see if it's changed. Um, okay, now you mm -hmm. also talked about learning outcomes and I think that we, we need to take a minute to explain to the folks listening, when you say learning outcomes, what do you actually mean? Yeah, um, and so learning outcomes uh, in, in this context, because you know, learning outcomes can be you know, very vague in terms of how it's being applied, um, is the behavior that you're trying to change times a skill developed is going to equal some learning outcome. So I kind of alluded okay. to this a little bit um, just previously. And a learning outcome for a, uh, a publisher is deliver air-free math textbooks nationally. That's an outcome that we want to have. Right. Uh, and then in order to get that, we have the siloed expertise behavior, and then we have a technical editing skill. And so okay. what we're looking at as we go through is to ask ourselves, when you're trying to name what problem you're trying to attack, do your current behaviors fit within solving that solution to the problem? You may not know yet, and that's okay, but it's just to get you to kind of flip your perspective. And then, you know, almost more importantly, do you have the skills or do you have a pathway to have those skills? To solve that solution and and that will start to let you know okay what problem can i solve right now based yeah. on skills um, and eventually even what competencies you have okay so i want to i'm going to tease our other example our personal example with mm -hmm. with i think a, a way that might illustrate this so the one of the examples we're going to talk about is not sleeping enough which is a thing an issue that i probably have um i bought a book about um sleep written by some guy who's like, I forget which soccer team it was. It might've been Arsenal. He's a sleep coach for Arsenal, let's say. And the whole book starts out with him telling stories about how these soccer players travel from hotel room to hotel room with their own mattresses. And they have people <laughs> whose job it is to go in and sterilize the room and change the light. I'm like, yeah, well, that would probably help. I mean, I live in a mm -hmm. tiny little apartment in New York city and yeah, <laughs> but it's not, Right. That's not happening for me. 
Um, so that, that would be an example where instead of my skills, my circumstances are not suited to that solution. I'd have to be like, yeah, that's not possible. Right. 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 Okay. All right. Yeah. And that's kind of your, you know, you've already kind of listed out your problems in some ways, right? Yeah. That's the, it's the ability to say no, kind of leading to our first podcast, right? Of, all right, well, here's a problem. I would love to solve it, but I can't carry this mattress with, so this behavior is not possible. And at least you can cut that out and say, okay, there's one thing off the list. I can't afford my own personal sleep coach. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, thank you. And I guess another part of it, I just want to check in with you on what I think when you, whenever I hear you say learning outcome, I also think about the fact that as we're going through this kind of stuff, everything's an experiment. So I'm learning Mm -hmm. one way or another, I'm headed in the right direction or I'm not right. So there might be a desired outcome, but I'm taking a lesson along the way. Right. Yeah. You may not know that formula, right? You may not know all the different pieces of it, but you know, you have a better sense of where your gaps are. So it could be even that you don't know what your learning outcome could be, right? You're going through and you're assessing a problem and you know that you have, you know, these behaviors and these skills and you can work it the other way, right? Right. And say, okay, I know, you know, I know these two variables. What do I need to do to equal why? Right. And and that's kind of the idea of thinking behind it. And so you might not, you, you know, you'd mentioned this before too, you know, you could have it almost as an objective. I leave it as outcome because the, the math behind it, uh, I want to, you know, you you are having some sort of outcome, this behaviors and skills equal to something. Um, but you could also have, you know, an objective that you're looking forward and saying, okay, Hey, here's something that I'm trying to, here's a learning objective I'm trying to have in, you know, our analysis phase. Um, and then, you know, look at that and say, okay, did I achieve this learning outcome? So you can look okay. forward to with it. Um, but in terms of the verbiage, that's why I stuck with, with outcome. Cool. All right. So, and if, if you're listening, uh, if you want to know the science and everything beside, behind all this stuff, Braden's got oceans of it. And I'm trying very hard to keep him to, from talking about <laughs> it during the interview because he gets really geeked out on it. And it is really compelling. But this is really about just trying to, to share the issues with you and send some possible solutions. So you talked before about the publishing company. And there mm-hmm. was a decision at some point that you needed to pursue um, turning it into an agile development house. And I'm wondering what, if you could talk a little bit about what led to that decision, like what problem was that supposed to solve? Yeah. So that problem was uh, specifically supposed to solve the fact that we had smaller competitors who were scooping out chunks of the market by really offering these small and custom solutions under the kind of pretense of being agile. And so what okay. you had in, you know, about five years ago, there's a lot of this and it slowed down a little bit, but you still have some of it in the acquisition space is folks from, let's say, California, a small you know, startup might make a solution that works really well for you know, four schools um, in the greater Los Angeles area. And they can have a whole company based on serving those four schools, right? Yeah. And we were losing business to these smaller competitors. Um, because they could offer you know these exact custom solutions that they need to you know, deliver data, you know whatever it might be. So our idea or thoughts was, okay, well, you know we need to adopt this you know agility to understand you know better what our customers want and then build the solutions for them. And so that was the idea behind it was we saw this happening, and you know instead of just you can only acquire um, you know so many different companies, was figuring out, okay, how do we do this ourselves? Okay. And so I'm assuming that that is something that's changed in education because I remember when, when, when I, at least when I was younger, all the schools had the same books published by just a few companies. Um, but now, like if I'm in a school district, I can get my own custom made books for my school. That's um, what's happening. It's more, it's more about the, um, it's like learning technology interoperability 
and okay. these, these LTI standards that we're trying to apply. And so what these digital groups can do is you get a, you know, a crack group of, you know, three or four really good developers, you know, put them together, uh, and they can design a, a custom solution for an administrator you know, in the greater Los Angeles area who will pay them X amount of dollars to give them exactly what they want. And we can't spend the capital and time to develop you know, maybe one specific report on uh, you know, student usage. Right? Yeah. I mean, we have you know, a ton of different ones, but they have that ability because they were smaller. Right, uh, more targeted, house. yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so okay. we were, you know, losing out more and more of these kind of little chunk and those little next starting, you know, we're starting to add up a little bit, right? Where it's like, okay, well, they can give us everything they want, you know, we'll just use them. So where, when I was in college, I had one class I took, we had this book that was like, I don't know, 500 pages, all printed by Kinko's where the instructor had just put articles. It was a film course. So it was all mm-hmm. articles and reviews and he built his own book out of these clippings and just gave it to Kinko's and they print them like 200 copies and he'd sell them to everybody. You're, this is like some local publisher can find a way to do that. I mean, not violating mm-hmm. all the copyright laws this guy was violating, but um, if you're a big publishing company, you're going after a much larger target, right? You can't afford all mm-hmm. that customization. Yeah. Okay. And so what we, what, uh, so come back to that, you know, naming the problem, right? You know, our, our stated problem was, you know, we were losing market share. Right? Okay. And you know, we thought that it was be, it was because of these smaller customized solutions, um, and we thought, okay, there's something happening in the education space that we're just not you know staying up with. Uh, and so, really though, you know, the, our idea was, all right, let's find out what we're missing. Right. So yeah. the the idea behind it was great, um, and it was okay. Let's become a learning science company. Let's learn more about our customers by using agility. Right. And so they started to kind of mesh together. Of, okay, you know, we can become a learning science company. And we can become, you know, an agile software development house and they can you know, be synonymous. And what I found again from, you know, to not get too far into the, the geeky side, but to yeah. get folks to understand what they'd be getting into when they read it is I went through the uh, 700 page handbook on learning sciences. Um, and obviously, you know, that's an interesting term for a handbook. Um, but the idea <laughs> is that, uh, yeah, mine's 20 pages if you're interested. But um, <laughs> the, the weird part about it was, is there are so many different definitions of a learning science within that handbook and we hadn't picked any of them right we had just taken you know the the broad brush and so we didn't name the problem um and so really the question that we should have been asking is how much change do we see in the behavior of the education product space year after year right what is that you know the real driving behavior um and really i think pre-pandemic we couldn't really answer that question um, which tells us all we need to know about the digital pace institutionally Right. Because things weren't, because when we were presented with the need to pivot drastically, you know, anybody, you know, that would have kids probably could agree that like the entire industry tripped over itself trying to come up with a digital solution. Yeah. Right. I mean, my friends who are teachers who are you know, teaching fifth graders math over a computer, right? it just didn't work. And so we were asking the wrong questions. Okay. So before we go any further on this, I just want to highlight that if, if you say, you said the problem was we're losing market share and there's lots of different ways you can handle things like that. For example, there are uh, plenty of examples in the music industry or in, I don't know, some of the social media companies where if there's a competitor that's climbing up or a number of them show up, you just buy them and shut them down. Like if that was happening, I mean, if you work for a big enough company, you could buy that local company and shut them down, but then another one's going to pop up. So that's yep. not necessarily going to solve your problem. Or you could go after saying, well, maybe we just need to market to these schools differently so that they buy the product and realize that ours is a superior product. You went after the 
we don't have the skill to be able to do that. How can we get that? Agile can get us that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and that that skill where you know that's that's perfect um, perfect spot for it, right? Because then you have to ask yourselves, you know, do we have the skills currently to make that happen? And how do you get those skills on your team to build that um, when you're a publishing company? Right? Right. I mean, just being frank, right? That's not the you know we partnered with folks like you know the Microsofts of the world and other you know groups, but you don't have the necessarily top end developers who are like, hey, I'm going to go you know <laughs> work for a publishing company. It's just it right. was it was always a problem in Seattle, right? We were in the hub. Um, and so that's something else you have to call out is how difficult is it to get that skill that you're looking to to bring on? Can you build it or do you have to bring people in? And that, again, will help you decide, OK, what problem are we really wanting to attack? Yeah. Um, and does it require building a skills or, or changing a behavior? So you have to decide you have to figure out if developing this muscle to be able to create the locally customized content is actually going to solve the business problem of losing market share. Then you've got mm-hmm. to figure out, do we have people that are capable of making this change? What is this change going to entail? And then, because I know what happens later on, <laughs> mm-hmm. when you deploy some of this stuff, what happens when it actually hits the market? So there's layers of problems you're having to contend with here, or layers of unknowns, I guess. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. And the reality is that really beyond some advances in, in some math programs, um, there's little evidence that computers have had a dramatic impact on learning you know, within the past decade or decades. Um, and the reason being is because educational software is designed on ex- instructional theories. So it's with the computer performing roles that are traditionally performed by the teacher. And the software acts as an expert authority uh, delivering information to the learner. Um, and so for us, you know, that is basically trying to have a value driver of supporting a teacher in the classroom, um, which often uh, results in removing tasks that they traditionally perform. Um, mm-hmm. If we were to really take a learning science approach, you know, based on my handbook uh, flipping, we would have developed tools that helped to scaffold learning that a student could not get from a teacher. And so in order to do that, we actually, if we asked the teachers what that would, what that would look like, they would tell us tasks that they would like to have performed for them so that they have more time in the classroom. Right? And you know, all, all the teachers, I remember this too. If anyone ever asked me, what do you need? I need more time, right? I need more time to teach my yeah. students, right? That's why I'm there. And that's what they want. And so if you ask them, um, you know, what do you want? They say more time, then, okay, the answer to kind of that agility question, right? Of our, here's our customer, uh, you know, the teacher, what do they want? They want more time. Okay, let's automate the tasks, right? But it's not getting to that next level of really being able to leverage a you know these new systems that we have um, to scaffold learning better for students. You know, in yeah. some cases it does, but in general, you know, in the last you know, 10, 20 years, there's not that big jump. So this is, I mean, if you're familiar with the quote, this is the equivalent of when Henry Ford said that if he'd asked his customers what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. Um, I was going to say as, as an instructor, like I want them to pay attention. I want them to do the homework and the pre-work. <laughs> like if you could just give me that. Um, but you're talking yeah. about having the computer instead of just be an assistant or a supplement to do things that the instructor can't do. Correct. And, okay. and we've seen, and it, it's not just, um, you know, it's not just a learning theory. Our most successful products and, uh, and I imagine this is other, you know, other customers or competitors as well, um, is a lot of our adaptive math content that does things and scaffolds learning for students that a teacher either couldn't do 
um, or it would be so time consuming to do that it wouldn't be worth it to do for every student. So that's that's really where you get the the value drivers, both for the teachers because they may not even know, um, you know, how they you know they're asking for time, right? Yeah. They don't know what they need from that, um, but you're really delivering on you know that product solution or that problem of okay, how do we you know how do we take out those you know avoid those chunks? Well, if you have the best in class math algorithm. You're not going to have to worry about the next, you know, up and comer, right? They're going to come to you because you have something that they don't, um, and that would be the that would be that driver. And we thought we could do that through agility, um, and we, you know, we invested the right way. You know, you know, even today, you know, they have you know agile ways of working, but there wasn't the flip from a project to a product, right? The project right. was we need to be, you know, agility. We need to apply these practices. You know, we need to you know fit more within you know, some of the Six Sigma frameworks and. And Scrum, you know, and all these really important things that have, have led to successful platforms, um, but not necessarily successful products because the project to product flip didn't happen um, yeah. because we weren't looking at it uh, from a different perspective. Well, and there's a lot of stuff, I think, in that because I worked for this same company many years ago for a little while. Um, the fact that it's so project driven is driven by things like publishing schedules and school years. I mean, it's, it's easy mm-hmm. to see why it's in that groove, but getting out of that groove is going to be very hard. I mean, there's a lot, it's not just teaching people how to work on agile teams. There's a lot of probably deeply rooted cultural practices you're going to have to shake off. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a nice little fastball down the middle because we had to change the, uh, <laughs> behavior from getting it right the first time to getting it right the last time. And that was huge for these people because they had even in, you know, today I still deal with some of this because the idea of, of a publishing company is you don't get it right the last, you get it right the first time because you print 10,000 copies right? yeah. and they go out to distributors and warehouses. And, you know, it just, it, that idea, that ingrained behavior was so opposite. Right. And it might seem kind of, you know, almost like a soft factor is what, you know, PMI would call them, but you wouldn't think of it as a project metric that you could really, you know, quantify, mm-hmm. but you're asking people to to embrace not only these new processes, but you're asking them to go against some ingrained behaviors that have been you know, successful for a hundred years. So like if we miss a you know, comma, it's not, you don't have to have a heart attack. We can just go add one now because yeah. it's an ebook. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But okay. then, you know, if somebody, if someone misses the wrong, you know, placement in the line of code and, you know, breaks our entitlement system, right? And those are, you know, that, you know, idea of, hey, you know, getting it right the last time, right? Being able yeah. to have these, you know, these smaller releases, um, you know, it just, it was a harder thing for folks to kind of grasp. And okay. the reason being is because we didn't call it out, right? So was it hard for the customers to grasp as well or just people within the organization? It was, yeah. And um, it's because our solution fit our digital product group, um, but it didn't necessarily fit, our our sales and and marketing right and so you might you know this might sound unfamiliar for folks right that you know my teams are delivering on their product goals following all the best practices for agile development but we're not seeing successful products right? and folks ask yeah. okay why is you know why is this not happening um, and you know the reason might be is because some of the drivers are you know, you're missing some of the drivers so for my own you know situation organization was still based heavily on print revenue over digital products. And okay. that was the, that's what our customers wanted. And they wanted the newest, you know, updated version. They didn't want digital. And when you go visit some of these, you know, since I work in our national division, you see why, right? I mean, there's just, there is some infrastructure there that is just not in place. And so for them, yeah. that that new updated book is much more important than that new digital solution. And so that's where the the miss of it, you know, the misalignment was, right? Where you had a lot of folks on on one side who were 
know, think about that silo behavior that we talked about before, right? That's still there because you're, you know, it's in the company, it's ingrained in there. Yeah. And so some of that, you know, still siloed idea was that, okay, the digital product group, they had the processes, they were looking for feedback and they weren't getting it right from the, the markets and the teachers. We had folks going out and, and pulling in different information and, and, you know, what we we're getting, you know, back to my original point was that, okay, teachers just wanted more time, right? They wanted more time. And so just building another tool, you know, to give teachers more time, it isn't really probably worth all of that work to go out to those teachers and ask, right? What behaviors or what do you want differently? So the agility in that case, you know, it's not that it was the wrong solution, you know, for the problem. It's just the solution fit one group, but it didn't get us further to, yeah, it didn't get us to getting a, to taking more of those chunks of the market out because it could be too, you know, I think this was, uh, you know, folks are probably this, but, you know, sometimes you can, you know, slow down to speed up. And maybe if we had just kind of waited and recognized, okay, you know, hey, our print revenue is, you know, is still going, let's be patient with digital um, and not invest maybe in, in pushing those digital solutions. You may have just allowed some of those other groups to either fall off, um, some of those other competitors, or by continuing to be successful, maybe you can also buy another one that you couldn't before. So there's yeah. other ways to attack that problem that, you know, we just didn't see because the solution fit what we need to do in one group. So it was working, right? And that's the right. project, but it wasn't, there was never that flip to say, okay, what are the behaviors and skills do we need to make sure to, you know, to the how, right? Which we won't get right. too far into now, but how are we going to do this, right? We kind of had the what, and then we let the two ideas of becoming a learning science company and the pursuit and the project of adopting agility become one and the same. Yeah, you and put all, your, name all that, your chips on that one thing. Yeah. Yeah. And if we had named that out, that probably would have helped us to say, okay, you know, is this still getting us towards, you know, our our goal of being able to wrap, yeah, rapidly iterate, you know, development based on customer feedback and be able to win opportunities based on that. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I want to compare it to the other problem in a second, but I just want to identify that there's a whole nother layer to this that we haven't even gotten to, which is, for the people that have to use the materials. I mean, I'm somebody, I read a lot and I buy electronic books and I buy physical books. And I'm one of those people that take notes on everything when I read books. So um, giving me uh, a textbook that's on my Kindle or my iPad, I can use it, but I don't get the same out of it as I do when I'm physically highlighting and putting little you know, tab things in there to remind me to go back to that book. Um, that physical interaction. And I don't know if that's going to change generationally, but that's still a big part of my process. Well, you know, you but see like, uh, if it's going to cost me- making a big comeback, right? I mean, yeah. folks are starting to enjoy the, you know, kind of the, the feeling of it, right. Of, you know, having the book and it's still significant, right. And not just in the U S um, you know, it's still part of the U S but internationally, right. Yeah. I mean, it's still very, it used to be even, you know, is, is anything folks probably, you know, haven't known or maybe have seen, but, you know, up until maybe last year, you, you know, just as a group, um, I don't, I'm sure other publishers are with this at this same level, you know, it was about 50, 50 in terms of our revenue for, uh, print and digital. So, and that okay. just happened. So it's not like this is something that, you know, if you've, if you were only in the print business, you know, up until even a couple of years ago, you were probably still doing pretty well. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, obviously some of that's, you know, obviously changed with the world changing. Um, but the idea is that, you know, it wasn't as, proficiently digital as we had expected. Um, Okay. 
So what I'd like to do, if you're okay with it, I want to talk about the mm-hmm. other example and then come back to this because we, we've identified layers of problems here uh, mm-hmm. or layers of opportunities, I guess is a better way to say it. I want to just talk briefly about the other examples of people haven't connected to it through this part. You know, they get maybe hopefully get it from the other side, but then I want to come back to how do you choose the problem? Is that okay with you? Mm-hmm. If we talk about the other one? Yep. Okay. Yep. So I'm going to talk for a few minutes about my sleep concerns. So I've been hearing for a very, very long time that I don't sleep enough. I sleep like four and a half hours a night. I usually take a nap in the middle of the day. So I maybe get up to five hours on average over the course of a week. Um, And, you know, all the articles say you're supposed to sleep seven, eight hours. I have never done that my whole life. Um, It's never really been an issue. I mean, I kind of do have terminal sleep deprivation, but um, there's other things that I'd rather do with my time than sleep. And mm-hmm. when I think about sleep, I think about the fact that, okay, so I have sleep guilt. People, society, leave Schreiber commercials all tell me I don't sleep enough or I don't sleep well. So that could be a thing. Maybe it's just guilt. Maybe it is a diet issue. Maybe it is the fact that I drink coffee until like 11 o'clock at night or I don't mm-hmm. exercise enough or whatever. There's all these different things. Um, and I'm going to have to pick a thing to try to fix. Right? Do you have any anything like that that you're working on trying to decide like how to tune up in your life or optimize in your life? Yeah, I think the sleep sleep's always a good one, right? Because everybody's you know either have to look at it or, or deal with you know some issue there. And I guess what I would look for is you know kind of flipping it there is what is the outcome that I want by having more sleep. And is it to, you know, I know people may tell me, Hey, I, you know, I need more sleep, need more sleep, you know, but you know, is it going to, you know, lead to, you know, a longer life or, you know, is it going to, you know, lead to me, you know, having better focus or, you know, I would look at it that way because okay. maybe I can't change, you know, that. So I know that behavior of, all right, I'm doing something here that is causing me to, to not sleep. Um, you know, and what that skill, you know, would look like, you know, maybe there is some, <laughs> some different things we can build around it, practicing, you know, meditation, right. And things yeah. of that nature, we say, hey, here's, here's a skill that I could do. Um, and maybe I can't, maybe I don't want to do it. Right. But I've tried everything else. So now I have to add something different into my formula to get to, you know, this learning outcome of, I need, I've been told I need more sleep. Doctors are usually pretty smart. So probably do need more sleep. Um, you know, how do I achieve this? Maybe not, maybe you don't need it, but that behavior of, of not sleeping enough. And then instead of either, you know, adding something or removing it um, to try and get to, to get to one of those solutions. Yeah. Um, and then it's you know, the, the rapid testing, right? So, you know, okay, I tried, uh, tried meditating. It didn't work. You know, maybe the next uh, skill I'll try uh, is, you know, maybe it's about behavior change there. So maybe it is, you know, I'm kind of thinking through this, but it might even be a behavior times behavior, not even just a skill right? If, yeah. I'm, if I'm changing two different things, how is that going to impact it? Right. Just kind of thinking my way through how you'd get to that because it might, it might be that you don't need to change a skill to, to get to an outcome. Um, it's just most of the time, I think for solving a problem, you'll need you know, some skill and, you know, some behavior, but you know, is there a skill to sleeping? Well, um, Maybe. I don't know. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. Well, it's that, almost like you need a cocktail solution. Like I need, you know, maybe mm-hmm. this plus that. And I think some of them, it's interesting. You brought up meditation. When I first started meditating, um, one of the guys who was teaching me how to do it said that when he learned, uh, the person who taught him told him he didn't learn how to breathe right for 10 years when he meditated. 
And I was mm-hmm. like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going to have this down in a month. And mm-hmm. I don't think I really, it probably took two to three years of meditating every day before I really understood how to meditate every day. Um, but somebody who's impatient about it, like, it's not like I'm just going to sit down and start meditating for half an hour every day. It takes a while to develop that skill. Mm-hmm. So some of these things, if you want to do fast feedback, you're not going to get the feedback right away. It's going to take a little while to get there. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas a yeah, diet change stumbled, yeah. could be pretty stumbled quick. into the skill right there, right? With, you know, just thinking about, um, you know, if it's either like breathing, I think that's, it's a skill, right? I mean, you could, yeah. you could kind of, you know, identify, and these are, this is purposely, um, I guess, I guess in breathing with intent is a skill. Breathing with intent. Yeah. I mean, yeah. breathing, you know, if you start going, you know, it just recently for me, you know, going to you know, yoga the last couple of years and, um, I used to compete in karate way back when. So we had, you know, some of that breathing, those breathing skills, right. It's not really a behavior. So learning how to get, okay, I want to put, you know, move breath from, you know, this area of my body to that area, or even, you know, sending breath while you're stretching, you know, as yeah. you do that more, it's kind of, okay. And it's going to take time. So I know, all right, if I can solve this, so maybe, uh, you know, this skill of breathing, I'm just not ready to tackle. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to take a sleeping pill. Yeah. Right? Uh, I would, you know, <laughs> I would say don't do that, but yeah, but yeah, yeah but that's, that's your other option. Right. And you can, you're calling out what you're willing, you know, what you're willing not to do, right. Kind of flipping it again and saying, all right, the I'm not willing, you're willing to breathing. make to get the thing. I think that's a really yeah. big part of this. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's, as we talk more about, that's where I think the, you know, the saying no and, and saying, all right, well, I know, you know, there we go. We've got to a behavior and skill. That wasn't easy, right? We said, oh, maybe we need behavior and behavior, but if we want to change this behavior of, of not sleeping well, then I need to, you know, build my, build up my breathing skills, right? right. Maybe it's during the day. And so if I breathe a lot more during the day, um, maybe I'll be more relaxed and I'll be able to, you know, to fall asleep, but then you'll have to, you know, be making these weird breathing sounds around people, right? Or whatever. And that was hard for me to do in public for a long time at yoga class. Just, is everybody else going to make the sound? Like anyway, but there's, you know, you're kind of identifying those things that maybe are uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but maybe more difficult rather than just, you know, the solution of taking a pill. Or maybe it is taking a pill every day. If that's what you decided, right? But you've consciously, I think this is what it comes down to is you consciously made a decision to not do something or to do something in order to achieve a learning outcome. So you have I, a behavior, yeah. you have a skill. Yeah. And that get it right the last time thing is I think mm-hmm. really applicable here because I mean, I constantly experiment with different things trying to improve. Now, now for me, it's not length of sleep, but quality of sleep. Um, and just to go mm-hmm. back to your flip thing, you know, from the first interview we did, one thing a lot of people struggle with is they get into bed and they open up their phone and they start like doom scrolling or looking at, you know, whatever mm-hmm. social media tool and the light and the, the stimulus that messes up your sleep. Um, so don't bring your phone <laughs> to the bedroom mm-hmm. or, or don't, you know, don't start doing that because it's hard to stop once you do, but even not using your phone and filling up every idle second with some media stream, that's a hard thing to let go of too. Um, I was just trying to think of, of a parallel to this. It was sort of like the Kindle thing. Um, to no, I think the, yeah, it does. I mean, that's your behavior. You know, in this case, you're, you can't change the behavior. So you're, you know, that part of the, the, you know, the not sleeping, right. Or, you know, that's the behavior that's just can't, we're trying to fix it. Right. So that's the yeah. one that we're keeping, you know, solid. We're not, it's an unchanging variable. And then we have to figure out, okay, based on that, you know, what numbers can I add to get to the right solution? 
right? Yeah. You know, based on anything else. So that's that's the idea of kind of looking at to say, okay, this isn't something, you know, not sleeping is the behavior that I want to change. What can I do to to solve that? And and this is where you also got to think of, you know, let's use the, um, you know, the sleeping pill example, right? That would be a case where I would consider it, you know, you're building the wrong solution right, which is much mm-hmm. worse than building the right thing wrong because yeah. you're not solving the core issue. You're, you're not, not getting closer. fixing that behavior, yeah. right? So, and by having that formula, is, you know, for me, that's kind of what, you know, helps to look at it and say, okay, I can do this and maybe it gives me a learning outcome and I have to do it. You know, maybe I have a big project, I just have to sleep. So I'm accepting that I'm subbing this in, but yeah. I know on a, a choice. In, on an infinite timeline, I should probably not be taking you know this for whatever you know for me personally right other people hey that's you but it gives you yeah. you're making that conscious decision of saying I'm solving I'm having this outcome right I'm having this learning outcome about myself based on this behavior that I do and this you know skill that I've adapted yeah it's a conscious choice okay so mm-hmm. hopefully by now if people are, are are with us that they they understand that there's a lot of different ways you can look at different things different problems to solve and so. When we talk about either one of these topics, there's I have this sort of mental image of a whiteboard just covered with post-its, like all the different ways to discover what this problem is, either all the reasons I'm not sleeping well enough or long enough, or all the reasons we're not gaining market share, we're losing market share, and they can be cascading things. If I have this board that's full of all these post-its, how do I pick the battle I want to fight first? Because mm-hmm. that's that's this is our big takeaway for everybody. We have yep. to give them something they can do when yep. they leave. Yeah, a small small things you can do. I think that's the best way to look at it, right? You know, is thinking of what is it, what's a small um, small win. And so when you have that list of you know, let's say the problems that you're trying to solve, maybe it is just one you know one problem, you know, the sleeping problem, and you say, okay, that's the behavior. What are all the other things that I, are causing you know, this behavior to happen? Okay. List those out and say, okay, what are my behaviors? Can I fit within making a change? Um, so, what's the easiest way to to fix my problem based on current uh, behavior reinforcers? Uh, okay. So, if we want to use the you know the the Kindle example, right, and saying, okay, I know that I need to put this Kindle you know change my behavior in a way that's going to force me to have a learning outcome of reading this Kindle more. What behaviors can I change that are going to fit within? the current successes of my day, right? Like, okay. where's, you know, where am I most, where am I most successful that I could fit this in and have, you know, a small win. Yeah. And so you have to have those, you know, those small experiences. Say, okay, well, you know, maybe I'm, um, you know, maybe I'm more awake at night. So I'll try that and I'll switch to having a behavior of, you know, reading it more at night. And I ended up, you know, scrolling on my phone. I didn't put my phone out anywhere else. Cause I, you know, I wanted to do that and I wanted to look the book, but didn't, didn't solve it. And so the next case is, okay, what behavior, you know, can I, again, what behavior reinforcer do I have that will, lead to solving one of my, you know, a problem easier. And so that behavior reinforcer was still the same for me in terms of, you know, wanting to read more of these textbooks, right. but I had to continuously kind of look for and say, okay, where's the situation that I can put this behavior in that leads to an Less e- excuses you know, a- available. Yeah. Right. And, and that was putting it on top of my, uh, you know, the peptides that I put in my coffee. And so I had to look for, little small changes. Cause I knew if I changed my you know whole routine during the day, you know, wasn't going to happen. I needed to add in this learning outcome somewhere in the day where I knew that I was going to be focused. Um, you know, what ended up happening, I wasn't ready to jump into my, in my work day. So I had this behavior of, of wanting to get things done in the morning 
And right. it was a reinforcer that I was able to have that to say, okay, hey, you have to pick it up. You have to read this textbook and then put it back. And so it was, I was finding ways to reinforce behaviors that you already have. So back to your original question of, you know, how do you decide what problem is the right problem to yeah. solve? Take those problems and decide, you know, okay, in order to come up with a solution to this problem, what are the ideal behaviors and skills that I have to have? You may not be able to fill out that whole list, right? But really, okay. you know, write it out and you know have it out there to look and say, okay, I have this outcome that I want to happen. Um, I know that we currently have this behavior and maybe I don't know what skill, right? Maybe it is, I think I need to change another behavior. So maybe put another behavior in there, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of a skill. But you work that through and then you look back at that list and say, okay, based on this list and my you know, current behaviors that I have and the current skills that you know, I'm working on, which one fits best within the behaviors that lead to solving an outcome. And that's when you pick. You say, okay, this okay. is the first one because it fits best within my current set of you know, behavior reinforcers. Okay. So I do have one thing I want to add, but first I just want to be clear about one particular thing. As the creator of this podcast, I do not in any way, shape, or form endorse violating coffee with peptides or any other substances. <laughs> I think if you want to drink coffee, yeah. drink coffee and then take your peptides. Yep. But that's just me. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to keep all my hair. That's all. <laughs> all right. Um, I think the, the one thing I want to check with you on about this is like for me, I know with some of the things that I'm working on, developing my skills as a musician. There are so many different things that I can chase after. And, and sometimes it's almost like I can't, it's like my head's just spinning back and forth. I'm like a cat chasing light. Like there's so many things I could do that just picking any one, it doesn't even matter what it is. Just something will get me to mm -hmm. action and help me learn. And maybe I'll learn this is a good direction or it's not a good direction. But I think for people that are just overwhelmed with options, just pick the closest one that's easy, just anything, mm -hmm. um, and right, and then and then that'll help you find the next step, right? Yeah, yeah. Put it on a, almost like a scale, like you do with uh, you know mapping out, you know, association mapping, almost right, and say, okay, here's what, and you're you're starting to already have that flip mindset analysis because you're analyzing yourself, which is yeah. already an awesome thing to do, right? You're looking at it and saying, all right, what behaviors and skills do I currently have that are fitting within you know the solution and What'll probably end up happening is you're realizing you're, there's probably some behaviors that are leading to some of these issues. Yeah. Right. So it might actually be that you know your current behaviors are leading to success, but they're also leading to issues. Okay. Right? And so you're looking to say, okay, am I willing to give up, you know, this behavior? Right. So if you're using like your sleep example, maybe you say, you know what, I'm not willing to give up coffee because you know just I you know need to be productive. So you know there maybe <laughs> that day is you know is <laughs> taking the sleeping pill, or I have to get better at you know, at breathing, right? Whatever that might be, but you're at least you're calling it out and then you're, you're not just letting it, you know, another problem, you know, pass by you, right? Yeah. You're, yeah. It's just it's iterative, iteratively calling it out. Yeah, yeah. You're having to say no to yourself to be like, Hey, you know, I'm not going to do this. I know this is good for me, but I'm choosing not to do it. And what I found is the more cases that you have to say no to something that is good for you, um, the more chances you have of actually doing that good thing for you, because it gets harder to say no to something that you know you should do, especially yeah. when you see it against, an outcome, right? Like, okay, I want this outcome to happen. If I keep doing this, you know, this you is build what's up momentum happen. too. I mean, I think yeah. you know it becomes a, like a habit almost. The more you do yeah. it, yeah. Okay, cool. So, if people want to get a copy of the white paper and learn more about this, where do they go for that? 
Yeah, so they can, uh, two different places. You can either go to leanpub.com slash flip. And that version is going to be a little bit more in depth. So if you're like, like in the geeky version, uh, you can go that route. And then it's actually also available on Amazon as a Kindle download. It just says a uh, flip projects to products and yeah, get it downloaded. It is a, it's the handbook version. So it's about 20 pages uh, okay. that folks can go through. So it'll, it'll build off of these, um, these conversations we have. Um, but yeah. And, and when we come back for the next one, we're going to talk about once you, what you do once you've selected the problem. Um, and I'm going to make sure to include links to the publications here. And what if they want to get in touch with you directly? What's the best way to do that? Yeah, the uh, best way there is personal email. It's B-R-A-C-U-N-D-I at gmail.com. And you can also reach out to me on uh, LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, you can answer cool. any questions. And even uh, even more so if you have... Uh, if you have more comments and if there's things that you disagree with, you know, as this is coming out, that's um, that's the fun of this method is that you know we're able to go through and solve problems. So I'm hoping that as folks are able to look from a different perspective, that um, yeah, that they're just better able to solve problems and and think about the the reason that maybe their problems are occurring and what they can do to change it. Cool. All right. Thanks, man. This was great. Yeah. No. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate you having me. 